Uh, actually, I flew in from Zimbabwe on the 31st of December and landed in Malaysia on the 1st of January. So on the first day. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah, then I, I immediately went to... Uh, okay, but the best experience, I think, for me when I first landed was the, the time when I left the airport. And the airport was cold. It felt so cold. I had to put on a leather jacket, which I had packed not knowing the weather in Malaysia. Mm -hmm. And then the second we went out to board the bus to head to college, the heat just smacked <laughs> me in the face. <laughs> I couldn't breathe for a while. It was <laughs> just bad until we got into the school bus mm -hmm. and it drove us to Mountain in Negeri Sembilan. This is your host Chukudi, and you're listening to the Other Experts podcast. My name is Carl Kapapiro. I'm a Zimbabwean national. I moved to Malaysia in 2008. I spent a few years studying. I studied business, study in Malaysia. Actually, my first choice of study was going to be law, but then the college in uh, Mountain accepted me quickly and they didn't have law, so they just offered me business studies instead. Right. And I took it. <laughs> and that drove me down the path of where I am today, which is uh, starting my own business. Okay. So I was one of the, the few lucky ones. After graduation, I immediately got employment. I didn't have to hunt for a job. The first company I went to for the interview accepted me, and it just was smooth while I was there. Uh, yeah, pretty much. So that was my experience for the until 2020, January the 6th. That's when I actually moved away from Malaysia. That's a few, a month, two months ago. Oh, okay, um, we'll, 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 get, we'll get to your exit or exodus from, from Malaysia in a bit. Uh, but you said um, you were one of the few lucky ones who got a job um, as soon as you finished college. Um, why one of the few lucky ones? Well, a lot of uh, people I studied with, they, they tried to few different things. They left the country. A lot of people would message and say, hey, are there any jobs? They were looking for jobs for a while until they got that. Whereas with me, it was almost instant. The second I had my certificate, I had a job waiting for me. Um, what, what would you attribute that to? Why, why was yours different? Was it just luck or did you do something different that others were not doing, maybe? Uh, I, I would consider it luck, very lucky, because it was just a... So what happened is I was still studying, and I, I thought I had done my... I was done, but my college didn't give me my certificate. So what happened was I went for a, a job interview. They were walk-in job interviews. Right. And... I interviewed for that two months before I turned 24. Oh, wow. And in Malaysia, there's the, the rule that you can't work until you're 24 if you're an expat. Oh, I, I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, so you can't get it. I don't know if it's changed lately, but when I got my job, they told me, listen, we, we like you, you qualify, but you're not 24 yet. So I had to go back, go back to my dorm in uh, Mountain and wait for two months until I could actually qualify for the job. Okay. So when I went back, they already knew me and it was just pretty much instant. Uh, I did the interview process again and within three hours after I walked out of the building, they called me and said, 
yeah, when can you start to cut the job? <laughs> okay, that's that's impressive. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of luck, and I don't know, it's 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 luck being at the right place at the right time. Mm. Okay, that that's that's really interesting because um, I think it's common knowledge that getting a job in Malaysia for um, other experts, um, especially those of us from Africa, is not the easiest task. Um, so yeah, that's definitely impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's it's pretty difficult because uh, I worked in a few companies. I joined quite a few companies while I was in Malaysia, right. and it was for me. I, I think I've just been blessed and just been lucky because most I've, I think I've only bounced from one or two job interviews. Right. I've gotten almost every job I went to <laughs> apply. All right, all right, that's good. It, it's, it's, I, I believe in, in a lot of luck. I'm, I'm very lucky. Because uh, I think I don't think this is luck. Like luck, maybe once or twice. But if it's almost all, like more than ninety percent uh, success rate, that's definitely not luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I never, I never really did that thing of studying for job interviews or any of that. I just always go for it uh, and be myself. Mm -hmm. So okay. I don't know. Maybe I, I'm, I think I'm likable. I think so. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's a very important um, characteristic um, that many companies look for. Like, even you might have the skills, but if you are not a likable person, then you and people can't work with you, then it's pointless, right? Yeah, that's true. Very yeah. true. Yeah, so I guess that, that played a huge um, part in all of this. Yeah, I think it's that it's uh, just, I mean, picking the right uh, job for you, like, and a lot of prayer <laughs> before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have to pray. You have to, you have to get your, your spirituality in check. <laughs> interview. It calms you down. You go there calm. You don't overthink it. And it usually just works out. Okay, okay. All right, that's definitely good advice. Um you you also mentioned um the heat um when you got out of the airport. Um apart from that first shock, like um how different is or was the Malaysian culture um when you first got here? What was the did you experience any culture shocks? Oh, a lot. Uh, one of my, my most interesting stories, something I remember very vividly, <laughs> was uh, when I first got to Malaysia, I, I went to meet a few palm oil traders, exporters. Okay. Uh, I wanted to export palm oil for something I was looking into trying to do. And when I went to meet them, I went in a suit, like a full jacket, uh, pants, formal with a tie mm. and when I walked in these guys were wearing shorts and <laughs> sandals and t-shirts and they were laughing at me they started <laughs> laughing at me they're like what sort of person is this who comes to a meeting in this heat dressed like this and they laughed it was like 10 minutes of the whole conversation, which was just aimed at laughing at me for being <laughs> overdressed. Oh, all right. <laughs> there was there's that. There's the the food. The food was very different. So how, in how do you mean different? Zimbabwe, all right, sorry, you in Zimbabwe, yeah. staple food is uh, sadza. We call it sadza. It's right. maize meal. Right. Uh, in other countries, they call it what uh, posho. Uh, pap, ugali. Right. So that's our staple food. In and we only eat. I only used to eat rice maybe once a weekend. <laughs> so every Saturday for dinner we'll have rice. 
in Malaysia, it was rice every single <laughs> day. Rice, rice. Uh, any type of rice you want, they've got the menu for it. They've got the recipe. So that, that kind of shocked me because it, it takes a while to get used to just eating rice. Mm. What, what do you think um, any expat in Malaysia should, should try at least once while they're here and, and why? Okay, so that that one is something that I have. I think two two things people should try at least once while in Malaysia. Right. Uh, the first being, you must try Langkawi. Okay. Langkawi okay. is my favorite place to go. I I mean, while I was there, I was going to Langkawi at least three times every year. Oh wow! For twelve years, it was. It was, it is, and will continue to be the best island there. <laughs> then I also recommend the night markets. Oh, okay. Going to some night markets and trying the food, the street food. Terengganu doesn't um, meet up to the Langkawi beach standards. It's not about the beach. It's about the, the whole experience. Oh, okay. uh, in Langkawi, in Langkawi, it's always full. It, there's no seasons to it. You're always uh, going to get there and find people having a good time. Mm. In Langkawi, even when it's raining, the beach is packed. <laughs> it's just an amazing place right. to, to go. You, if you like the whole secluded thing, yeah, there are better places. But I'm more of a, I want to go to a crowded place. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so Langkawi was, it's, developed a lot lately mm -hmm. but we started going there before it had uh five star a lot of five star hotels i think the best hotel when we went was a four star hotel mm -hmm. called Ezania. all right but it's now developed there's a lot going on uh last time i was there was in december uh, 2019 2019 okay yeah so I, I love Langkawi, no matter what. Cheap food, cheap chocolate, everything is duty-free. It's just amazing. You've talked about visiting Langkawi um, at least three times a year. What else do you do for fun? Or when, you, when you were in Malaysia, at least? Uh, we did a lot of travel. So I spent a lot of time with my wife, who I met in uh, Malaysia. Right. She's from Uganda, so we met there, and she's made me travel a lot. <laughs> she's not happy staying in the house. So whenever we we can, whenever we're both free, we just pick a place and we go there. So that's the, the going to one island three times a, a year, because there's nothing better. I think traveling around that region, the Southeast Asia region, is something everybody should do it will open your eyes and it will improve the experience of malaysia 10 times why is that though like um, why do you think it would improve the malaysian experience so malaysia is a hub yeah true so while you're in malaysia you've got cheap affordable access to air travel i saw recently uh erasia has released a 499 ringgit promotion to travel uh, on Eurasia X. Yes. So you've got access to the cheapest travel you could imagine, and you can go anywhere mm -hmm. within the region for up to 300 or 400 ringgit. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's something that you should add on to say, I've been to Malaysia, however, I've experienced a lot of the world, mm -hmm. a lot more. Go to Singapore, go to uh, Thailand, go to Indonesia. It really does make you appreciate being in Malaysia a lot more. You don't feel stuck. You don't feel uh, pressured. Even if you're stressed at work, for example, you just know there's that escape. You could always escape and it won't break your bank. <laughs> All, right. All right. I think that's... So that... Sorry, yeah. go on. Yeah, so th so that's a that's something that we made sure we did always, even if it's just traveling within 
Malaysia. You could always go to uh, many different places and experience the local cultures. Okay, that's interesting too. I was going to ask at some point um, why you decided to um, move to Uganda, but I think I, I now have a close idea, um, or at least a close guess. Um, as soon as you said you you met your wife in Malaysia, who's Ugandan, um, so yeah. I, I'm assuming that that's a close enough guess for why you decided to move to to Uganda. Yeah, it's a it's a very good guess yeah. why we chose Uganda specifically. But uh, moving back to Africa was always in the plan. I I remember always talking to fellow Africans and I'd always. Everyone is planning to go to Australia or to Canada, and I'll always be like, I want to go back to Africa. <laughs> so it was just she made me choose Uganda, but Africa has always been because there's a lot of opportunities here. True, true. A lot of uh, you you can do a lot in Uganda, so that's why we moved. What's what's it been like though moving from Zimbabwe to Malaysia to Uganda? What, what what's that whole um, experience been like for you? Okay, so moving from let's start with moving from Malay from Zimbabwe to uh, Malaysia. In Zimbabwe, I lived pretty. I'll say I was also lucky there. We had very close family friends. Uh, everything was handed to you. You're still a kid, so you, you've got everything, the experiences are paid for, and then you move to Malaysia. Uh, you have to start taking care of yourself. You no longer have a house. You have to rent places. You have to pay bills. You have to start taking control. And then you move from college to work life. And then you're starting to settle. So that this is it. So you're starting to settle in Malaysia, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm getting too comfortable. Okay. Let me move. Okay. So now I'm, I'm in Uganda where electricity goes. So <laughs> in Zimbabwe, electricity used to cut, right? You'd yeah. have power cuts. Yeah. Uh, water sometimes would just vanish. Mm -hmm. And Malaysia, all of that is taken care of. Yeah. Like you never, I've, I think I've never had a power cut that was caused by uh, Tenaga. <laughs> it was usually the only one time electricity ever went where I stayed was because somebody crashed into the power generators. Oh, okay. So it was Malaysia is a, a country with everything in in place. The train systems work perfectly. The electricity, the water, the roads are beautiful. Then you move to Uganda where things are still being done. Mm. So it, it's just a shock because once in a while my water can go. Mm. Uh, the internet is not unlimited. I've got an a, a internet plan with 120 GB per month, oh. whereas I was used to time. Which is unlimited. <laughs> and I'm paying a lot more than time, mind you. Oh. I'm paying almost 200 ringgit oh. for internet without TV channels. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, wow. so it's, the rent is cheaper. Okay. Living expenses are cheaper. But things like internet are still considered luxuries. Whereas in Malaysia, they don't build a, an apartment building without internet connections. Yeah, true. Okay. So it's just those differences that in the first month, two months, uh, you could you could actually want to go back yeah. to Malaysia. Malaysia becomes a very good deal. <laughs> but if you get over that that first couple of months, yeah. this uh, it it gets better. All right. So for anyone who's an expert who's planning on moving back a lot of people i think they try it they try moving back and it's hard so they they 
then apply for jobs and go back to Malaysia or wherever. It gets better after a while. All right, all right. I think that's, yeah. that's good to know for people who um, move to Africa or move back home after they feel like they've reached a limit here and they feel like... Because I know going back home myself, it, it kind of feels like that, like it's, we are not yet done back home. So you, def- you always want to come back to Malaysia where it feels like um, they're there already. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah it's that, definitely a temptation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, trust me, you you want to book a return ticket immediately, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. But it's also exciting to to travel. Like that's why I, I never stayed put even while I was in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to get a job that had made me travel a lot. All right. So I managed to visit even countries that weren't on my radar. Mm. And after you've done that, you kind of, it opens your eyes. That's why whenever you're in Malaysia, just make sure you travel because it's affordable. Everything is closer. You don't have to fly for eight hours to get to a single destination. Mm. And you can go direct. Whereas from here, you have to connect just to go to uh let's say if i wanted to fly to tanzania mm. i have to go to kenya first oh okay yeah so it's mm. it's good to take care to take advantage of all those luxuries that are there all right all right yeah that's good to know um i think this is also a good segue into um the next question um like what what did you or do you like about living um, abroad in Malaysia and what you do or did not like about living here as well? So I, I was blessed in Malaysia. I met a lot, of diverse, a lot of people from a lot of diverse backgrounds. I had friends that were Malaysians, friends from Spain, Malaysia is a beautiful place because a lot of nationalities converge in the country. Yeah. So you you can experience different cultures and I mean just go to Bangsa. <laughs> Bangsa area you can find restaurants serving meals from every part of the continent. It's mm. just beautiful. Yeah. So that was that's the the thing that I loved about it. Uh, I made friends that are in different parts of the globe right now. Then one thing I didn't like about Malaysia is when you when we first got there, it felt like we are just uh, a paycheck. <laughs> We're not looked at as people at first. You're looked at as a dollar sign. So if you have money, you're very valuable. And then once your money runs out, uh, then go back to your country and leave us alone, sort of thing. So that's that kind of, in the beginning, pissed me off. But then again, you just have to go, go through it, get through it. Once you're employed, you've got money coming in, have a plan, focus, keep going. And eventually, you'll get numb to some of the, the racial things that happen, the minor racial things. When you say minor racial things, are there major ones as well? No. Oh, if I told you, there's a time I was walking. Right. Uh, I had moved to a new neighborhood, and I was walking down the street. It was around 8 p.m. Right. So I was coming from immigration in Putrajaya, and I was staying in uh, a, a place called Wangsamaju. All right, yeah. Then, all of a sudden, someone hit me in the back of the head with a helmet. Wow. Not to rob me. They didn't rob me. I had a lot of money in my pocket <laughs> to pay for my... So, right. But they didn't rob me. They, they just hit me and ran. Oh, wow. Okay. Then there was a, another time when we first landed in uh, Negeri Sembilan. Right. We were just walking 
and then one guy on a bike rode past us. We were a group of Zimbabweans. We had just met. I think it was not even, it was probably like our first couple of weeks here. Right. And uh, they spit at us. One of us got the, got, it, it landed on one of us, the oh. saliva. It's Ouch. disgusting. Ouch. Yeah, so there, there are cases like that, but it's not everywhere. Once you move, like to to areas where it's secure, where there's a lot of expats, then you know you're safe, mm -hmm. and you can walk around freely. That's um, kind of a uniform thing that a lot of black um, people of color expats um, experience in in Malaysia. It's not the best experience. Yeah, it's it's something that if you. If you if you don't go through it, it's, I I look at things as experiences. You have to just go through it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's how you recover from it. Right. Do you cry, or do you just uh, tuck in your your shirt, pull your pants up, and keep moving? Uh, and I found that the more I've kept moving, the more my experiences in Malaysia they've improved. I had, and I was also lucky. I was there with my brother. He landed actually a few months before me, so I had someone to to help me out, to tell me what's going on, to to update me first. So just having that support base, making friends, having people to talk to, is good. All right. Um. Do you, do yeah. you? Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask um if you think um like ignoring it, ignoring like issues of racial biases if it helps better than actually tackling those issues like head-on so i've always looked at it as uh if i complained about it or if i tackled it head-on mm -hmm. would would it change anything mm -hmm. the question the real question the real answer to that is not really is there anything better I could have spent my time doing okay. instead of trying to fight it, uh, going to the police to report it, and then nothing is done about it? And yeah, so I, I managed to have a very good and exciting career instead by focusing on things that I could actually impact. Okay. I don't think it's... I. A lot of people probably say it's better to 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 uh, to challenge that sort of mindset, but it's something that's ingrained in a legal system, in a culture that myself, twelve years being there, would have been wasted if I had focused on that. I would be angry and bitter. Okay. Yeah. True. So. So I chose to look at it more from how can I improve my experiences, thus move to a safer neighborhood. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're in a safer neighborhood, you, no one is going to attack you. Move to an area where there are experts, there's less racial attacks there. Uh, just do things that you enjoy mm -hmm. while you're there and things will just fall, tend to fall into place. Um, you mentioned like uh, you talked about uh, moving to like a more expat oriented neighborhood. Um, do you think uh, it's better to have to integrate with this the society that you're in? Because um, I think moving to a very expat oriented neighborhood kind of like um, excludes you from the local society. Um, even though a lot of the locals, um, this the society that you're in might have racial biases, um, it's not going to be the entire society. Um, do you think it's it's better to stay away from or to integrate with the society that you're in, especially when you're an expat? So if you're an expat, you must integrate. You must uh, ride the train. You must take okay. the bus once in a while. Okay. However, I think it's just wiser to pick. So, for example, 
uh, one person once gave me advice on when you're picking a neighborhood to stay in. Uh, if you go to specific neighborhoods with specific races, uh, you probably experience a bit more crime. Okay. Whereas if you go to other neighborhoods with other races, there's less crime. So there's, there's those sort of bits of advice that people would give you. And, but what I found is, number one, integrate. Learn, learn the local language or learn Chinese either way. Uh, be fluent because that affects you in the long term. It affects you when you want to do business, when you're looking for jobs. If you don't know the local language, you're more restricted as to what you can achieve. Number two, if you are going to pick a place to stay, you're signing a one-year contract uh, to, to stay in a place and paying a deposit. Yeah. You have to pick a place where you're comfortable. So that means if you like drinking, pick a place where <laughs> drinking is okay. Right, true, true. Right? A, a, a lot of people want to challenge the norms of, of, an, of a location. They want to drink in a place where people of the area don't like alcohol. Mm, true. So you have to be sensitive to that. Mm. That's what I consider to as uh, conforming and integrating into the uh into the locals but always consider your own safety always consider your own comfort first before you consider how it would make other people feel right. that you're staying in an all expert area all right yeah that's yeah very wise advice right there <laughs> yeah it, i've always i've always thought of it that uh in a selfish way what makes me happy first and then everybody else next <laughs> if i'm happy helping, then i'll do it if i'm not happy with it then why should i spend an hour two hours doing it yeah. which is also why I, I i move from job to job a lot <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay um i that is good but hopefully your future employers don't hear that or dip it's okay <laughs> hey, <don't. laughs> they'll, they'll be, i'm happy hopefully <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, you, you you mentioned that you speak the sorry that it's good to learn the local language did you learn any of the local languages unfortunately no that's why i know it, it for a fact i didn't learn so yeah. i experienced uh some issues all right. with it uh right. having started a company mm. while in malaysia right. and having to go and and uh do sales while in malaysia yeah. if you don't speak chinese mm. then at least 80 percent of the people you're going to talk to won't talk to you oh, wow. so you're leaving money on the table mm. by not learning the language earlier on while you while you're there okay that's that's true though um i also keep getting the question um if i've been in since i've been in the country for so long how come i haven't learned the language um so i think it's also it might be time for me to actually learn um maybe it's, if it's bm or mandarin and then yeah Hopefully, I get more oh, opportunities. I, <laughs> I was researching uh, there's the place YMCA, but you're not in KL, right? No, I'm not. I'm in Penang currently. Oh, okay. In Penang, I'm not sure. I'm sure there's also YMCA. Yeah. They, they do yeah, there courses. Is. Yeah. Oh, they have, so they have I, language courses. Yes. Okay. I would strongly recommend take some time out of your busy schedule, go and learn the local language. <laughs> if you're going to be there for like another two, three, four or five years, mm -hmm. because these things are uncertain, right? Mm -hmm. You might find yourself moving to China. <laughs> True. If the opportunity were there and something happened, right? So just learn Mandarin. It's, it's something I regret not having done. All right. All right then. At least while I'm still here, I might as well do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So, 
So what what tell me about uh like your audience? Uh what what do you guys really what what feedback do you get on these interviews? Um so far e- most of the a lot of people don't give feedback openly um it's only a few people and i would like i would prefer to assume that's not the um overall general um audience like uh it's been mostly positive actually it's been all positive so i i don't think that's going to be acceptable like there's definitely there will have to be definitely some people who um don't agree with everything that's said and yeah the the way the interviews are conducted um i've had a few interviewees who i also did not agree with everything they said uh, but since it's this is an op- an opportunity it's them sharing their experiences so um it's not something that i can counter and say okay this is not right or this is wrong or it's it's your experience it's not mine so yeah that's true yeah but what uh, what experiences have you had uh you, you let us share our experiences <laughs> what about it, i think it's i think it's the same generally like in in most since i've been here i've been here for this is my 12th year now it's oh, yeah, the I, same, huh? yeah i i i got here in 2008 and yeah it's it's mostly been the same i think at some point i would like to think that racial experiences have slightly very slightly improved or it's just been more better hidden if you go to the wrong places you meet the wrong people you still get a lot of that experience um people um locking car doors when you walk past um yeah yeah <laughs> so all of you still get all of that um but i think generally based on the circles that you're in especially if you if you if you when when i was a student the experience was different um because your circles are different you you meet different people um you're mostly hanging around a different crowd um when you start working and you're professional you hanging around a different crowd as well is mostly professionals um and in those circles even when they have even with people who have um discrimination biases in mind it's not a clear cut obvious issue so um as long as it's business then yeah it's it's fine right um so yeah that's that's for me i think that's been the general experience it's grown less over time yeah i think over time yeah since since 2008 yeah. i think the the cases it might be our maturity uh, as you mature yeah. <laughs> you you find yourself in less and less of these sort of situations and scenarios where you might risk something yeah. whereas when we were younger you'd randomly find yourself wherever your friends were going <laughs> true <laughs> yeah. so it's easier to to fall into a trap <laughs> exactly yeah it, and and then you you'd mostly not have the common sense to back off when you need to so <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's easy for things to escalate really fast that's true mm. so as we've grown yeah you find yourself uh, i don't go out as much as i used to i i hardly go out after 8 pm <laughs> yeah. just to walk yeah true your mind goes your more just focused on work you get back tired <laughs> and if you have a hobby and a group like if you play soccer you're lucky yeah then you can do that but otherwise you're not going to find yourself doing extremely random things like <laughs> we used to that's true that's very true yeah riding bumper to bumper <laughs> yeah that's true that's very true yeah it's it it yeah. happens less often as you get older yeah true mm. 
what what would you say are uh, your hobbies? What do you do when you're not working? How do you how do you relax? Uh, I like watching movies. Right. Uh, if I'm not working, I'm either watching movies or trying to play some PlayStation game. Yeah. Uh, but I'm usually because most of the work I've done, which is sales, mm. it's not a, a a job that you can just leave behind. Mm. You are constantly looking for new clients. You're constantly getting phone calls. Right. You're constantly about to go and meet someone so if i told you i haven't i don't even have a tv right now but hobbies are my uh, my hobby is watching movies it's funny <laughs> All right. i have time to go and look for a tv because since i've landed here it's just been full on your business is what you run in in uganda yeah so yeah there's the i mean in Coming from Malaysia, where I did the same business, mm-hmm. uh, it's, a, it's pretty easy to, to get, if you know how to sell. Mm-hmm. So these are the skills that you need if you want to start a business now. It's uh, sales. Uh, if you don't know how to sell, mm-hmm. then you're in trouble. True. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and selling is constantly going to network, constantly going to meet new people constantly being on the phone so that's that's a lot of what i'm just doing so far that's a lot of what i was doing in malaysia but when you're in malaysia somehow you've got a lot more time it's like the days are longer because (laughs) actually actually a lot of people i've talked to say the days are shorter seem shorter when you're in malaysia though Oh, I no. Okay, so this is it. The days are shorter. Right. I believe really shorter <laughs> because here the sun is setting at like seven thirty. That's when the sun goes down. Okay. But, but in Malaysia, once you're done with work, mm. you're free. Mm, okay. Yeah. So you 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 go home. You spend time flies. Time yeah. used to fly. Because true, true. Yeah. You, you're done with work, you spend an hour in transit to go home, and then you're home, you cook your food, uh, you eat while watching a show or something, uh, you make a phone call to your family or friends, and then the day is over. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's midnight and you have to go to bed yeah. so that you go to work tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, this cycle continues. Yeah, the circle continues. <laughs> but here it's more like random. Mm. So the days are, there's so much to put in one day. Mm. And you can't achieve so much, as much as you could while you were in Malaysia. In Malaysia, you can go from government building to government building to government building in one day. Mm. Yeah, it's just one government building per day. <laughs> That's your limit. <laughs> okay. So yeah. it's, it's those, those little things that, like I said in the beginning, you should enjoy Malaysia. There's <laughs> a lot of advantages to being in a country that's already developed. Mm. Online applications for government uh, related things and uh, a ticketing system instead of a queuing system. There's so many advantages to that. Right. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Yeah. I, would, I would say enjoy it. But always look to, to travel, experience a lot right. while you're there. That's my, my biggest thing. I don't regret my time in Malaysia because I really experienced a lot, a ton. What your most influential book has been and, and why you think it's been influential to you? Influential book? Uh, I'm tempted to say Harry Potter. All right. It's. I think it's a. It's a. It's a weird thing, but <laughs> yeah. No, but if if there's Hear a reason, out. then it's not weird. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Potter was the first novel I read from cover to cover. 
oh, growing up. Mm-hmm. And that's a thing that that led me to find an interest, a passion in reading. Mm-hmm. So if it wasn't for Harry Potter, I would not have read books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Right. Because I was never interested in reading. I was just for the movies. Mm-hmm. Then my brother bought me a Harry Potter book, novel, mm-hmm. and I read it cover to cover. Mm-hmm. It was uh, The Goblet of Fire. Oh. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> and since then, I've read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. I've read Lord of the Rings. I've read... Uh, it's it helped me to understand why reading is better than watching a movie. Right. And so, that led me to read works by Robert Kiyosaki and uh, the best one is uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Think and Grow Rich. Those, those sort of books, it's because of that first novel that I ever read and finished. Alright. Oh, yeah, see, it, yeah. it does make sense. Harry Potter does make sense there, then. <laughs> yeah. So that was... That's the book that changed my life <laughs> from the very beginning. What's your favorite productivity tool or resource? Uh, right now, uh, my favorite productivity tool is mm, uh, Canva. Okay. Canva. Canva.com. I, I'm sure you use it too. Yeah. Yeah, Canva. Canva is... I, I, I even paid, started paying for the premium features. It's just a delightful tool. If you're doing anything online, editing images, posters, flyers, whatever it is, it's just, it made my, it makes my life easier. So I would say Canva. Yeah. That's good. It does. I think that was the whole idea of Canva. Like, um, simplify the way, especially for editing online content. It's it makes everything easier for you to do. Absolutely, I don't like their payment plans though. <laughs> but whatever, that uh, I mean, twelve twelve ninety nine, I believe it is per month is is worth it. It's okay. Then then there's that other stuff that doesn't fit in the twelve ninety nine, which they start showing you a lot of. Once you've paid the twelve ninety nine, annoying. Like, how do I get the the next level subscription? But you can't have it one by one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's... But yeah, amazing tool. Uh, besides Canva, if I were to pick something else, it would be email. Okay. Yeah, email sending and receiving email. If you're not a phone call person, it's a life changing thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay. sending emails because I'm constantly the first thing I do is I check my emails and there's always some good news or some progress somewhere or something that has to be done. So email okay. would That's, be number two. All right. <laughs> That's good. Progress Progress is always good. True. Yeah. True. Um, I think to round up the episode, um, do you... And um, what, what advice would you have um, for um, people of color experts who want to settle in Malaysia, um, uh, people who, who think they, who plan into or who are already in Malaysia, what, what advice would you have for them? Uh, I would say uh, the biggest advice I would give is make friends outside of our race. Uh, make a lot of friends. Diversify your your friendship portfolio. Okay. Um, yeah, think... it's it's important to to make networking uh, right. Uh, true, true. In in other countries, they look at network. They call it networking. In other countries, they call it corruption. Yeah. In other countries, they call it something else. Right. Yeah. But it's network, creating powerful networks is what opens doors for you in the long run. A friend will tell you when there's a, a job position that you qualify for. A friend will tell you, oh, there's this opportunity. Those are, those are friends that 
um, if you make them right, not just friends that call you when they need money <laughs> or friends that call you just to party, but yeah. actual friends mm. that you can progress with. True, true. Okay. Yeah, so I would say best advice, make friends, create bonds, create relationships, because that's the future. That's yeah. your future. Is there any additional um, thoughts you'd like to share? Um, something that we, we did not talk about that you think is important as well? Very important to have an outlet where you can just talk about it or hear about it. Yeah. Not The things happening around you are not just happening to you. Many people experience it. So it's good to have a platform where you can hear that. Yeah. Other people are going through it and it will be okay. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of the the idea behind other experts as well. Like, let everyone know um, that it's it's not just you. It's everyone around you who's experiencing the same thing. Uh, we might not always yeah. be complaining or shouting when it happens, but um, you just know that there's someone else who went through the same thing a year ago or just yesterday, in fact, and they came out yeah. okay. So you're going to be okay too. Exactly, because uh, I know it gets depressing being away from family in a different environment with a new culture. Uh, not you, Some people land there and you don't even know a soul. Yeah. I was lucky enough to land there and my brother was there. So it's, it's just a good thing to have a resource like this. So thank you for doing it. <laughs> thank, thanks for for agreeing to participate in it that's without you guys then uh, there's there's no this there's no other experts it's it's everyone who's participated is contributed in some way or the other yes true we've been talking with Kao Kappa Piro thanks for for joining us on this episode hopefully we can get you even though you're not in Malaysia anymore hopefully we can get you um, to share your thoughts on a future episode, um, if possible. Absolutely, I'm always open to it. All right, <laughs> all right, all thanks. right. And catch thank you. You guys on the next one.